Right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Irregular Search for Truth. Coming to you now from our new offices in the lower Pack Heights district of San Francisco. Yes, yes. California. Our fancy new surrounds. What do you think of our new surroundings? Well, I, I like them. They're good. Yeah. The two-bedroom place that it's, I moved into. It's definitely so. a, a roomier office space. <laughs> well, yes and no. No, actually, no, it's not. It's a smaller... <laughs> we're, we're in a smaller recording studio, but we have more... Uh, uh, we have less bed in the room with us. Yes. <laughs> My old apartment was this weird sort of like almost warehouse-like mm -hmm. situation where it was sort of, I mean, it's probably like easily 10 times bigger than this room, actually. Yeah. Well, I don't know about 10. I would say it's about, it was probably about five times bigger than this room. Just five, huh? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is not a puny room. That it's room, not. You know. It's not a table. Anyway, enough uh, home chat. Right on. <laughs> Moving on. Right. This is going to be our most edited podcast. Boop. Yeah. What else you got? Well, I just noticed that you have the Garden State soundtrack. Oh, yeah, I do. I do. Which uh, uh, Garden State was, I don't know, was it an independent film? I think it was listed under the indie sort of film yeah, genre. It, it certainly fit the indie mold and the... The thing that I think the, the indie mold kind of is, is uh, a movie where a writer is sort of writing about himself. And it's you can do an indie film because it's low budget. You can, you know, you set it in people's apartments and uh, on the street outside their house. Well, that's and... where indie people live. You know, yeah, well, <laughs> indie people don't live in nice houses. I mean, it's easy well, no, to... no, but I mean, like you know, you you don't have too many uh, indie films that are like involving castles. Well, that's or, what I'm saying. Well, or, or even houses, know, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like indie people live in crappy apartments, and they they go to crappy bars, and they listen <laughs> to crappy bands, right? It's okay. It's not a big deal. And they wear crappy clothes. Crappy. So it, it helps, you know, meeting their budget. Right. I guess, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But but the interesting thing I thought was uh, I feel like you know and I don't, I don't want to condemn all indie movies but uh, but a lot of them were written by kind of a lonely writer guy and uh, and they feature a kind of lonely sensitive guy who somehow gets picked out by a beautiful girl and then he. <laughs> He uh he somehow has to deal with this difficult issue. The difficult and issue of being picked out. Of by being a picked girl. out by this beautiful girl, and it's like this girl is is definitely really hot, and uh, and it's like oh sensitive indie guy, you're standing by yourself in the rain looking at a bus stop, but lo and behold this beautiful girl will come and talk to you, she goes to you. The sensitive indie guy never picks out the girl. You know, he never has the the balls to approach the, the pretty girl, because the reality is that the pretty girl never goes and talks to a random guy standing out in the rain. If you see a guy standing out in the rain staring at a bus stop, you're like, that guy is creepy. He's not necessarily a sensitive indie film writer. You know, like... Or, you know, at the same time, like a lot of the artists that have like made their name, they're always sort of like the sensitive, lonely, creepy guy. Van Gogh. That guy crazy. was creepy. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, like just 
you know, all the people who write poetry and like it's all dark, you know, and like I bet Edgar Allan Poe, Edgar Allan Poe is kind of like that. He actually, uh, he he made Candyland. There you go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like uh, you know, you can just imagine these guys just being all sort of like lonely in their thoughts and like writing in their notebooks mm-hmm. and like dark you know corners or whatever kind of self-pitying but fantasizing that a really pretty girl will come and and then and start talking to them yeah i mean that's that is an indian movie i don't know why it is but that's what it is I, I i'm gonna go stand on a corner in the rain and just wait and i think someone along the lines of natalie portman will will just come up and and start talking to me. She probably will. Although I mean, Natalie Portman was kind of crazy in that movie, right? She was a little bit insane. Right, but she was also a little like too cute. Mm. You know, like it was it was one of those things where it was like this is this is kind of a fake person because she had her too problems. Many no, I mean her problem. If I remember the movie, it was kind of like she had like cute problems that were easily solved. It wasn't like she did had any like real psychosis or anything like that. She's like. You know, I mean, if she had been like, you know, hey, I, you know, I pick up on uh, on guys who I see standing around in the in the rain, and then I also like stab baby dolls' eyes out. <laughs> that would be like a little weird, you know. It'd be like, okay, it doesn't matter that you're really hot, you're scary. But her problem was like, uh, she, I don't know, couldn't stop talking or something like that. Right. Which yeah. I guess is annoying, also, but it's not. Uh... <laughs> well, at least she's annoying, at least. <laughs> It didn't, it didn't, she wasn't annoying enough to overcome the hotness. Mm. Beautiful mm. and annoying is a... Uh, it's a tough combination. Tough. Yeah. Anyway. Is that a good soundtrack? I remember it, I mean... Got a lot of whiny man songs. It's definitely got a lot of whiny man songs. I, mean, I think it was like a pretty well, like, uh, a pretty popular album at the time because it had a bunch of uh, like indie songs on it that people were sort of like getting into. It's almost like that mixtape phenomenon mm. where and zach braff i think was really really sort of like a uh, popular person at the time you know he was like doing a lot of indie bands indie music indie film you know like had a new sense of new st- uh, sense of humor that people were sort of getting into now scrubs is totally just nobody watches it it's just like oh my god why are you still on the air <laughs> <laughs> I guess, how long ago was that movie made? I feel like it came out in like 2005 or 2004. Okay. So it's only been five years about. Yeah, maybe six. Oh, interesting. Well. Kind of angst. Yeah, but it was like, what was he angsty about? Well, I think, you know, it's just like almost when you go back home, there's always a sort of like angst of like, oh, like, why am I back here? And like, usually when you're going back home, it's a sort of like things fell apart in your previous life. Mm. I forget what it was that fell out, fell apart, but something fell apart. Maybe it was a relationship or maybe like, you know, just like general, just angst like that people have, you know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, this sucks. And like, I know the world now for what it is and it sucks. And you go home and like, that sucks too. You know, and like maybe (laughs) your dad, or your mom like passed away or they're divorced or something like that, you know, and then you hang out with all your old high school friends and they're all like immature. I like that one scene though where like he was at a party, I guess, and he got like really drunk or something. And then the next morning they were sitting around at a table and then uh, he was sitting there and like somebody had written balls on his forehead. <laughs> yeah. And then they had a conversation for several minutes and then somebody at one point was like, 
you know you have you have balls right on your forehead. He's like, oh, you like, <laughs> why did you tell me you got it from the left? It was really funny. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. Well, all right. I didn't mean to pick on that movie in particular, no, but it, but okay. it uh, it reminded me seeing that uh the soundtrack there sort of reminded me of my my indie film grad. Do you think of any other indie films? I mean, that's the only one I can think of. Uh, well, okay, so I saw a preview for this, uh, Ben Stiller one. That's oh, yeah, you know Greenberg. what, you're right, that's a very similar movie, right, where he, like, just stuff isn't working out in his life, so he goes back to his own hometown, yeah. hangs out kind of with his old friends, and, like, they're like, and what's your problem, And then some hot girl, man? Man, like, shows yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just trying to be me for a little bit, you know? I'm trying to, like, sort it out and see what's good, you know? It's like, oh, I really dig that, oh, that's great, you know? That doesn't happen, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it does. Well, maybe it does, but it's not like, you know, I don't know. Uh, there's something about having a movie focus on, you know, one thing that sort of gives it a sense of importance, like automatic sense of importance. And I think when that sort of thing happens in real life, it's like the whole point is that this is totally unimportant. I feel unimportant, mm. you know. Nothing in my life is working out. I want to go stand in the rain and stare at a bus stop. There's no centrality to that moment that that putting a you know a film camera and an entire scene focusing on that section actually has in real life. I guess like a, it's almost a concentration of all that you feel throughout like the week or the year in mm-hmm. in sort of like a, you know a, a two and a half or a one and a half hour movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and then. The characters, in order for them to resonate with everybody, have to be super concentra- concentrated versions of right. your emotions. Right. You know, and it's like, obviously not all of us are really angsty or angry or whatever. Maybe some of us are, or from, from moments to moments we are, you know, or a situation might arise. But to see a character always like that and to see, you know, he can feel all the emotions that all of us feel cumulatively over a week in one moment. And so we can all sort of like relate to that. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's why they need to be so almost over the top sad or like, you know, despondent. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, yeah, I totally feel that. That guy's really feeling what I'm feeling, you know, or at least what I felt sometime in the last month, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, you know, okay, everybody has a moment from, from, from day to day or week to week right, where it's right. just annoying, you know. But how often does this really hot girl come out and find you at that well, moment? And it's like, and that's, that's the nice part because it's like you now have related with this character or you find his mm-hmm. sense of humor kind of funny or you kind of find things that he do. That, you know, the things that he does are a little kooky, but hey, you do a little aspect of that. Or like, hey, maybe you don't wash the dishes a lot or maybe you don't like like to wear your clothes that match all the time. or you, There's some aspect of his life that you kind of identify with and you hook onto. And he's concentrated all those things in the one weird funky character and then you can latch onto that one aspect of it and say hey that guy's kind of like me and then you can see this hot girl come along and then you can say hey that's awesome because i do that and maybe that will happen to me and it's a little bit of hope and like you know comedy in the in the movie maybe that's why people like those movies all right maybe all not right. maybe not all right maybe i'll go see the ben Stiller film it did look pretty funny i thought yeah. like did you not it like probably the... no no i mean it probably has its moments let me show a picture of my car. It's in the driveway of my old place. Mm-hmm. You might notice on the windshield there's a little ticket. Ah. I have this ticket right in front of us. It's actually Exhibit A. What does the violation read here? 
on sidewalk. Do I look like I'm on the sidewalk? Is uh, this a really necessary ticket? It's a bit ridiculous. I think. I'm going to send... I, I mean, I'm, I haven't gotten around to it yet, but I plan to appeal this ticket. But it's just like... I... You know? The ticket people go around and it's just like... I know that that's their job and stuff like that, but it's like... At what point are we just sort of making it difficult for people because we need revenue? I think this might be that point. I, because just, you're, you're certainly not blocking the sidewalk. You're not doing anything bad there as long as your tail end's not sticking out I mean, I've road, made No, know. it's not. And I've made it like concerted effort to like leave like several feet of space for anybody that can come. You could drive another car through there. Yeah. You know, and it's just like I actually read a story on the internet today about the guy. Uh, I forget what city it was, but he was... I think it was. It might have been another country. It might have been Australia, where the guy, I guess, um, had parked his car in a, in a, like a metered spot, and then he went to the back of the car uh, and opened up the the trunk. I guess he was gonna get some money out of the back for in change or whatever. And by the time he had made it to the meter, somebody had given him a ticket. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> so he sent in a little protest letter that was very ironic and very yeah. like it's like bite, biting. You know, it's like I must applaud the uh, city of. It might have been even like Melbourne or like uh -huh. Sydney or something like that. It was like for their like uh, amazing vigilance to the rules of the road, you know. And like yeah. I apologize for taking one minute of a violation, you know. In order... It's like it's funny because when you think about it, it's like the minute you pull into a spot, you are breaking the law, right? Right, right. You're breaking the law if like you pull in and it's like the meter is now expired and you haven't put a quarter in there yet. I mean, can he nail you for that? I guess he could. Yeah. But this is ridiculous. And I was just, I was like really, really mad about it. You know, and it's like amazing how badly this ruins your day. Well, and uh, it's one of those things that you think like, well, the the government seems to be always needing revenues. They do. Right? And, and I guess uh, you have these problems where it's like, say you have services that can't pay for themselves. Right. You need to get those revenues from somewhere else, and and I actually, as I was driving up from San Diego this weekend, I was thinking, man, if California wanted to solve its budget woes, they could just you know they could whisper to the highway patrol, basically, right, pull everyone over on Highway Five who's right. going above seventy miles an hour, which is the speed limit, because absolutely everyone was going over seventy miles an hour, and and if they gave them all a ticket. And they all could pay that ticket off, you know? It's like, well, you've earned a significant amount of money today, you know? Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of an interesting aspect. Like, what do you think about, uh, does a government department have to pay for itself? I mean, I guess not, right? But, I mean, then you no, have... No, but it depends in the mandate, you know, like in some, uh, when some, I guess, bills get passed and stuff, it sort of states, like, this should be paid for out of its own revenues or right. whatever, you know? right, right. I mean, this parking ticket, it just makes, it just made me so angry, you know, and yeah. I just like, and, and the sad part of it is I've gotten tickets like this before, not this one in particular, like for blocking the sidewalk, but just ones where I was like, really, like, I was five minutes past the yeah. time or whatever, you know, and it was just like, I was so mad at the time, but then I just got so lazy, I just paid it, yeah. you because know? it's like, to write a protest letter, to do all this stuff, it's just almost more burden mentally to have to like, do all that stuff, and so I hope I don't pay this. I hope I like do protest it, uh, but it. A hundred and three dollars. It's nothing to sneeze at. No, it's not. And I was blocked. I mean, literally like a foot on the sidewalk. I yeah. Think. 
Oh, boy. <laughs> now, here's the thing. You were in a driveway, basically. I was in my right? driveway, yeah. Uh, had you done a regular parallel park blocking the driveway, would that have been legal? I think so. I, I mean, it's hard to say because it's like, it's like if they want to be on behalf of the homeowner and say, no, you're parking this guy's drive, parking in this guy's driveway, it's like, well, it's my driveway, so I yeah. can do that, right? You yeah. can't tell me for that. that. You know, I've thought about that, actually. And, like, this is really no different than me parallel parking my own driveway. Right. And I wasn't blocking traffic. I wasn't blocking pedestrians. You could take three strollers down there. It would be no big deal. Mm -hmm. That's a wide sidewalk. It's a very wide sidewalk, which is why I didn't feel bad about it at and the time. That's a sidewalk for jumbo people. For, for three jumbo people. You, do. you could have a, you know, it's a Midwestern sidewalk. <laughs> Wow, I mean, I don't, I don't know if we need to like indict the people in the Midwest, the good people in the Midwest, like that. They are fun people. Hey, uh, actually, speaking of moving, I didn't, but that's why I was parked in my driveway. Mm -hmm. Have you have you noticed the thing about San Francisco where you can just put something out in the street and it'll be gone in like half an hour? I I've heard that. I mean, I took I took advantage of that several times while moving because oh, yeah? you just accumulate all these things. You know, and it's stuff that it's, it's not necessarily junk per se. It's just stuff that there's not really a place for anymore in your life. Mm -hmm. And they've made it so difficult to throw things away here. Mm -hmm. Like you can't like necessarily throw stuff in the trash anymore. The trash bin is the smallest of all the bins. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to recycle it or you need to compost it or it's like electronic. You need to like donate it or take it to the, the dump and have it specially, you know, thrown away or whatever. And there's all these things that I want to throw away. It's like, okay, I have a CD rack mm -hmm. that, you know, holds... 30 CDs. I mean, 30 CDs for most people, that's a good amount of CDs. For me, that's not enough CDs. I have like 300 CDs, which is too many for one person, really. You know, like, I'm going to I'm gonna go out there and say that's fine. But this was like, I had the CD rack and I bought it when I was like, you know, 20. Because that's how many CDs I had back then. Mm -hmm. You know, or maybe I had a couple of the CDs racks. So it was sort of like it all added up and it was fine. But now, it's just not at all useful. There's no place for it in my new house. Like, forget it. So, but I can't throw it away. It's just, it's useful. Somebody could use it. And mm -hmm. it's funny when you go through this, um, this step process of like evaluating whether you're going to keep it, whether you're going to throw away, what can you do with it? And then you tell your friends about it. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to throw this away. They're like, no, you can't throw that away. It's like, I know. Cause that's what I told myself also. I can't throw this away, but mm -hmm. I need to. And then their first reaction is like, don't throw it away. I'll take it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. And then they say the same thing I said. It's like, well, Actually, I can't take that. I have nowhere to put it. And they're like, well, all right, throw it away. Because we've, we've got a lot of stuff. Because I went through that same process. I was like, oh, I, I really don't want to throw this away. And then it was like, well, there's nowhere to put it, so I have to throw it away. And then it's like, okay, I'm throwing it away. And it was just like stuff that I'd paid money for, you know, like tens and fifty, hundred dollars for things, you know, like lamps that I, I, I mean, I paid for. And but there's just no place for. I don't. I can't put four floor lamps around anymore. I just. I, don't have a place for that anymore and like to sell that stuff on the side of the street you can't just do that and to give it away you know like you have to find somebody to give it away to i had a couple things i gave away uh for free on craigslist i gave away a papasan oh right on and i gave away a bookshelf and a rug and a twin mattress and all this stuff and like and i gave away a couple other things and people were like flaking out or showing up showing up late you know yeah. it's like or i could just put it on the sidewalk right and then send somebody could take it and maybe get maybe it'll get rained on, maybe it won't. Maybe it'll get dirty, maybe it won't. I don't know. Who cares? It's not my. I just put it on the sidewalk. Or I could like treat people with respect and try and like give it away in a timely manner and make appointments with people. But 
I spent all this time and effort giving stuff away, you know, and it's, and for thing for dinky things like CD holders, you know, and like plants and lamps and things like that. It's like, I'm not going to, nobody's going to answer a Craigslist ad for like a CD holder. Are they? You, you know where these things end up though? Where? End up on, uh, on my street and some homeless guys trying to sell them. It's like, hey, hey, you want a, you want a 30 CD holder? Give me, what'd you, what'd you got? Five bucks? Three bucks. Three bucks. Two bucks. Well, if you see four pi- four plastic patio chairs, <laughs> then uh, I, got a, I got a patio chair. I got a half bottle of Windex. I got a. I, that's the other thing about all the chem- all the washing chemicals and stuff like that. You know, it's like you don't want to pour it down the drain. Right. But it's like I also don't want to carry around three bottles of Tylex. Well, yeah, but I mean, you could just leave those in the bathroom. I mean, I could, but that I mean, and I did I did for a couple of things, but it's like you know. Okay, when we moved into our new place, there were two bottles of acetone, just just sitting there, you know, two like and they're metal cans because acetone's pretty corrosive, you know. And it's like, what am I gonna do with acetone? I don't even know what it's for. I guess it, maybe it's paint thinner, maybe not. Mm. Who knows? So I had to look it up on the internet. And they're like, don't throw it down the drain. And I'm like, then what? And it's like it's highly flammable. And I'm like, okay, but then what? You know? And they're like, so it turns out that actually it's very um, evaporative, mm. if that's a word. You could just pour it out and it'll evaporate. Problem is, if you put it in plastic, it'll totally melt plastic. Mm. So it's like, well, then I'll just leave it out. We left it out on our little patio with the cap open, and I just like let it evaporate. But it was like evaporating kind of slowly. That's probably not the right thing to do. The, but there was no. I mean, I I don't. You can't pour it down the drain. Am I going to like just leave it and when you guys move out, the next people can have it in <laughs> case they need some acetone. In case they do, just pass you know? the buck, right? Why yeah, not? Maybe it's like, I really need to clean these chainsaw parts. I need some acetone. <laughs> because I live in San Francisco and I'm really going to chop down a tree. Know. I mean, there, there are people here with chainsaws. There are people here who need their paint thinned. Well, anyway, so for, as a public service announcement to the uh, listening public, one way of getting rid of it is if you just get a piece of like some cloth and you just pour it all over the cloth, like basically a really like a uh, flammable yeah, rag. Yeah, yeah, a flammable rag. You just leave it out and in about 10 minutes, the, the rag will be dry. And or then, it'll be on fire. One or the other. <laughs> Either way, it'll be dry. <laughs> and then 10 minutes later, come back and pour some more and just let it sort of va- slowly evaporate. Mm. And that, that totally worked. It took about, it took about uh, six hours. You know, I just have to check back on it and, like, keep wetting it with acetone. But now, is I don't know what, uh, like, the chemical, you know, structure of acetone is. Now, there's is is this going to go cause, like, acid rain or something? No, it's like? it's it's completely evaporative. It's a, car, it's a hydrocarbon. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, yeah, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Mm. I mean, it seems like it's okay. You could actually burn it. I, I was tempted to burn it. Because I think it burns pretty cleanly. Mm. It's a pure hydrocarbon. So, I think oh, it, maybe it's, like, a camp fuel or something. It would Today. be a very dangerous camp fuel, yes. Mm. But I mean, like, I if I if I had a bigger like space and like sort of like a metal metal bin or whatever, I would just tell, I would be curious just to, like see what happens. I would just put it in there and I would just like light a match to run and then see if I can make it into the thing from there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, Slackaholic writes that uh, he's been he's been uh, puzzled by China and Korea's domination of Olympic table tennis. Uh, pistol shooting and StarCraft tournaments, um, and if Team America sends someone to compete, they're often of Chinese or Korean heritage, like David Shuang. 
so it might be a question, uh, slackaholic uh, speculates. It might be a question of exposure to the activity, but could it be something biological? And the bottom line is that uh, South Asian countries do have a niche in the Winter Olympics short track speed skating. In, in response, I think the, the irregular search for truth, the editors uh, have said that uh, we must rescind our previous comment that uh, the Winter Olympics were dominated by Northern European and Western countries. And uh, now we must state that they are the Winter Olympics are dominated uh, instead by Northern European, Western, and Southern Korean countries. Uh, <laughs> what about what about this other point? Uh, is is uh, domination in uh, table tennis, pistol shooting, and StarCraft tournaments uh, something unique to the East Asian uh, genome, or? It's <laughs> highly likely. <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I don't know I, you know it's like uh, they do dominate at the Starcraft and um, I wasn't aware of that actually I haven't been paying attention to the Starcraft scoreboards I think Slackaholic uh, from what I know of him I think he's very, very familiar with the Starcraft arena oh you've played him have you oh I haven't played him <laughs> but I've heard stories of his prowess oh wow his reputation precedes him it does it does um, I've never seen his SIG. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's here's Slackaholic writes with a question. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> e relationships. Uh, can can they just migrate to actual relationships? Uh, he asks. Um, should he invite his best Warcraft buddies, uh, who he still keeps in touch with over email? To his wedding right your thoughts on that one i would say if you have a question just don't that's i mean like from a from my point of view like from like a wedding like person who's planning a wedding i would just i mean you know if you're going to stick to your guns so to speak or mm -hmm. your real gun mm -hmm. or your uh i don't know what they use in Star starcraft warcraft that's what he says his warcraft buddies oh his warcraft buddies well then maybe if they're orcs or something yeah i was thinking you know, elves. Did we even? Oh yeah, we did. Okay. I was worried that we weren't recording still. <laughs> <laughs> Boop. So elationships. I, I think this is going back to when we uh, we were talking about. There's a lot of like sort of gravity, and you have to like sort of like maintain these relationships. And there's a lot of like uh, you sort of owe people. You know, if you online. Uh, well, remember we were talking about um, when. You like, for example, if you lend your neighbor like flour once a year, mm. then you don't really owe them a lot. But right. like, for example, if you help somebody move, mm. then okay, you have definitely like stepped up your game in terms of where you are in that friendship. And if they come back with a really big favor or a really big like request, it's like, yeah, you're kind of like bound to that because it's like there's sort of this, this ancient Greek theory of reciprocity. There you go, and it's like in the same way. Like, in terms of e-relationships, if somebody's always, like, responsive to your emails or always sort of, like, there on the chat boards or, like, you know, if you played Warcraft together and you guys, like, you know, email mm -hmm. back and forth, they are a part of your life and they are, like, you know, some somebody that you keep in touch with. Mm -hmm. So now, does that translate into your real life? I mean, if you're getting married and you consider them a friend, then wouldn't you want them there? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I would say, yeah, but at the same time... What if you've never met them in real life before? 
that would be almost more reason to invite maybe, them. Maybe maybe what you should do is have a wedding ceremony on the World of Warcraft. Oh, oh, or or um or or just like uh, broadcast it on the internet. There you go. That that. But I mean, would they be really disappointed if they realized that you know you weren't a dwarf? <laughs> or or they're like, oh my god. You know, I thought he was uh, an elf mage. Well, people get disappointed, but, you know, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Whenever you meet IRL in real life. IRL? What's IRL? In real life. Oh, IRL. I think there's always sort of like this. I thought you meant whenever you meet IRL in real life. Oh, no, no. Like, IRL. Like that's something. I left know. paren in real life. Internet relationship loser. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so whenever you meet this person, uh, Ira Riley Logan, mm-hmm. you're always disappointed with Ira's appearance. Because... He's totally disappointing. <laughs> yeah, like when you meet him, you think, oh, he'll be some way or the other. Or, you know, you're imagining the look kind of like you think he does. But... He'll have six word spells. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never played World of Warcraft. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh... But, uh, I mean, anyway, I... I would say if you have space, then go ahead and invite him. But I feel like the problem with weddings is there's so many people to invite. You know what? You should put them at the same table, and you should ask them to show up in Warcraft garb. <laughs> and and then if you wore, you know, say say you're getting married and you're, you're wearing your tuxedo, but you have at your side, you know, the Sword of Destiny, that would be pretty good. Like a nod to table eight. You know, like hey, hey guys, I'm wearing you know, I'm wearing the uh, the amulet of fire and the sword of destiny here. Wow, you're really re- you're like knocking <laughs> these guys out. Oh, I I I read some fantasy literature when I was a kid. I can come up with bad names. The blue dragon defeating the armies of blue dragon Elzegard. That's just a color. Okay. Elzegard's good though. You win. <laughs> you know what? Actually, when I was growing up as a kid. Um, all the streets around my house mm-hmm. were named after places in Lord of the Rings. That's like up this community up in Davis. Is it? Also, yeah, it's it's weird. So I lived on Aaronwood Court, and it was, it was off of like Brandybuck Lane, wow. like Isengard. That's a trip. So, somebody got like a real like nerd pleasure out of this, you know? Yeah, like probably yeah. like nobody else realized it. Like all the probably eighty percent of the people who lived there were like, well, these are all weird names, but whatever, right? And mm-hmm. then my my dad actually pointed out to me. And I didn't realize it until I had read it much later. And then he mentioned it to me. Oh, remember those old streets we used to live on? They were all Lord of the Rings. I'm like, oh my god, really? Oh, yeah. What town was that? In San Jose. Oh, yeah. Just uh, down by Capital Expressway. Huh. That's interesting because I noticed that uh, riding my bike through this area up in up in Davis a few years ago, I was like, wait a minute. This is like... <laughs> Mordor Lane or something. Mordor Lane. I don't know if there was Mordor, but that would be kind of just depressing. Yeah, you? I don't know if I want to live on Mordor. Oh, yeah, it's like it's like calling your street like hellhole <laughs> or something. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Slackerholic, thank you for writing in with your input. Your five dollars will be forthcoming. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate your uh, your questions and your participation in the irregular search for truth. Maybe next time we'll answer your questions more thoroughly. But for now, thank you so much for sending. Let's sign off. This has been the Irregular Search for Truth. I'm Scott. And I'm Sachin. Take it easy.